Just a little show note here. I had attempted to post this episode of Compliance Beat last week, but I apparently was not successful doing that. Uh, So here it is uh, a week late, and I apologize for that for those of you that tried to download it. But you get a, uh, for for your tenaciousness, uh, you get uh, the benefit of getting two episodes this Monday rather than one. Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. This time we're gonna talk about how you benchmark a code of conduct. It's a question that comes up quite frequently uh, and I want to give you three tips on doing a successful code of conduct benchmarking exercise for those of you that are going to be evaluating your code or in anticipation of updating or revising your code. But first I want to mention another free webinar. Uh, We're going to be doing a webinar on April the 19th. That's Thursday, April 19th, 2018 at 1 o'clock Central. That would be 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, This is going to be, once again, in conjunction with our friends over at SAI Global. Uh, This will be titled The Relationship Between Ethics and Compliance in Business. And you get a two-for-one, and it's going to uh, include myself, but also Professor Timothy Glenn, Senior Associate Dean at Seton Hall Law School. And uh, we expect to have a really interesting conversation. Uh, uh, Professor Glenn has done a lot of interesting research on the topic of business ethics, and we hope to kind of talk through some of the common questions that come up when you're talking about ethics and ethical culture and how that Uh, interfaces with your compliance program. So please join us for that. As with the webinar that we just held last week, this webinar also is approved for 1.2 CCB CEUs for those of you who have the CCEP certification, the compliance certification. uh, You can get an hour point two of those necessary training CCB CEUs. Um, Again, this is free. Uh, There will be information in the show notes on our website uh, with a link to sign up. Uh, Also, if you go to the SAI Global website, you probably ought to be able to find it. We'll also try to put a link up on all of our websites for you to be able to go easily to register for this upcoming webinar. Again, that's on April 19th, and it's free. So code benchmarking, this is something uh, that I've been getting a few questions about uh, since the beginning of the year. I think a lot of organizations uh, starting in the beginning of the year start thinking about how they're going to uh, evaluate, uh, benchmark their code of conduct, perhaps with the thought in mind that they might be updating it or revising it, uh, or if they just are reporting back to the board of directors or Uh, the executives of the organization or compliance committee about uh, the relative uh, state of the code of conduct in comparison to peer codes of conduct. Um, This is actually a fairly easy uh, exercise to get the data inputs because, as we all know, if you're a publicly traded company, at least here in the United States, uh, and you're traded on the NASDAQ or the NYSE exchange, 
there is a requirement that your code of conduct be on your public website. So that gives everyone else uh, the opportunity to take a look at your code of conduct. Uh, and for those of us who do a fair amount of benchmarking work on codes of conduct, it's a great and valuable resource. You should know, though, that there are a lot of companies, both uh, companies that aren't listed on those exchanges, listed on other exchanges, and companies that are private companies uh, more and more often are putting their codes of conduct up on their website. Uh, if you're looking for a code of conduct on somebody's website, a good place to start is the Investor Relations tab if they're a publicly traded company. Uh, often the governance documents, at least historically, have been uh, located there. More and more companies are, are giving a little bit more pride of place, a little bit more prominent role on the website for their code of conduct, particularly if they've updated it recently. Uh, so it's not always there in the Investor Relations site, but that's a good place to start if you can't find it. So three things that I would suggest that I make for a successful code of conduct benchmarking, and this comes from a lot of experience uh, doing code benchmarkings. I, I do this fairly regularly. regularly. Uh, so um, uh, learn from my <laughs> mistakes over, over time uh, in, in, in refining my process. Uh, the first is uh, don't just pull codes for organizations that are exactly like yours, exactly in the same industry, uh, or only, uh, if you're based in North America, only North American based. Have a little bit of diversity in the selection of organizations that you're looking at. I think that's important so you can kind of cross-pollinate. If you're just, uh, for instance, let's say you're in the extractive industries, uh, and if you just go and pull only codes of your competitors, uh, you're missing out on uh, really comparing your code of conduct to other potential peer organizations that aren't in the same space. Um, think about companies that maybe ha are operating in the same uh, markets that you are. Think about companies that are relatively the same size. But also think about companies that are much larger, that maybe you have some aspiration to emulate in other aspects of your organization. Also, remember, this is all part of, if you're, particularly if this is something that you're doing in anticipation of convincing uh, some internal stakeholders of the importance of updating your code of conduct. Again, be aspirational. If there are co codes or companies rather that uh, mean something to, for, for, for example, members of the board of your organization because they used to work for those companies or they are so, still executives with those companies, then um, it might be worthwhile to compare the code of conduct of your organization to an organization they're familiar with. Uh, that can give you a lot of potential buy-in in, in uh, getting things done down the road. So please, please be a little bit more diverse in your selection process for the sample for your code benchmarking project. Um, also, uh, uh, number two, also when looking at those codes that you're going to pull together, don't just pull the codes that are perfect in every way, that have lots of bells and whistles, or fully interactive, have uh, amazing colorful layouts with the, uh, incredible photography and typesetting, uh, co codes that look like they just um, you know, were, were created by the top uh, advertising agencies in the world, uh, particularly if you're coming from uh, a different place. I think that you want to have some diversity that actually really re actually reflects what peer codes of conduct look like. Uh, not every code is a best practices code of conduct. 
And not every code is great at everything. This is another important factor. Some codes can look wonderful, look beautiful, but the text itself is dreck. Uh, it's not well written, it's complicated, it's written in legalese at a high grade level. Uh, there are lots of other problems. So select your codes not necessarily just by the way they look, you know, and, 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 and how splashy they are. Get some diversity. Get some codes that you really like the way they're, they're laid out, but also get some codes that you really like the language in. Um, there are some companies that, you know, really don't have a very exceptional uh, graphic design or layout in their code, but they're really well written and uh, get codes that t cover the topics that you think are important for your organization. Uh, that might mean that that particular company's code doesn't look that great or doesn't have interactive features or doesn't have learning aids, uh, the, uh, the things that you might want in your code. But you don't need to find everything in every example that you put into your benchmark. You can pick and choose. You say, well, we've added this code because it has great topic coverage. It covers a lot of the risk topics that we feel we want to at least consider for inclusion in our revision. And we picked this code because it looks awesome and we like the direction they went with the graphic design and we want to maybe incorporate uh, some of those aspects in our graphic design. And we picked this third code because uh, it speaks in a really inclusive language. It talks about we and our and how uh, everybody has a responsibility for the ethics and compliance at the organization. It has some really aspirational great values language in there that we might want to consider and emulate uh, when we redraft our code of conduct. Don't look for per the perfect and and all the examples that are out there because that's going to perhaps limit your scope in a way that you don't really mean to do and there are some codes that uh, you know perhaps don't hit on all cylinders so to speak but have some really great aspects that you want to emphasize uh, in your benchmark and perhaps emphasize in your project down the road the last piece and this is something that I've talked about uh, extensively on the podcast over the last year and a half that I've been doing this uh, in lots of aspects of your program, and that's include your team, include a cross-functional team. Uh, when you're doing the benchmarking exercise and you're looking at, uh, once you've already you know, gathered up the, the, the sample, uh, then you have to evaluate the sample. You have to make some calls on what you like and what you don't like. Well, don't have that be a process that is only controlled by uh, the small group that is ultimately responsible for the compliance program you know, or the legal department or audit department or HR. Make sure that you inc include some folks outside uh, in operational uh, aspects of the organization. It, it, and you don't have to have them involved, again, going back to some of our discussions about actually working on a code of conduct project, these individuals don't necessarily need to be involved in every aspect of your code of conduct benchmarking exercise, but let them, you know, at least give their two cents on a sample of the codes that you've, uh, that you're reviewing for your benchmark. Let's say for purposes of argument that you've decided to take a look at 10 codes, five in your industry and five outside your industry. Well, you can send links to those 10 codes to uh, half a dozen or a dozen uh, managers throughout the organization and say, hey, we want you to take a look at these codes of conduct. Uh, and just give us your impression, you know, just give us a sentence or two about each of them if you have time. 
you know, solicit opinion about what they like and what they don't like regarding those codes, and that can be part of your input uh, during the benchmarking process. I think it's really, really important, whatever you're doing in your compliance program, to have a diversity of opinion. Uh, it's really important not only because you get better product at the end of the day, but remember, ding, 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 remember, uh, we've been talking about the guidance from our friends at the Department of Justice from February 2017 pretty extensively over the last year. Uh, now, yeah, now a year because we're now in, in April. And that guidance uh, is really heavy on the notion that when you're developing your, your program, including your written standards, that that be a team effort. Well, part of development and revision, uh, review, um, assessment of your code of conduct would be a benchmarking exercise like this. Well, there would be an expectation if they're looking into your methodology and your practice that this was an inclusive process and included uh, a diversity of uh, individuals throughout your organization, including people in operations. So that's really, really important. So those are three things to consider. Two on, uh, you know, gathering up your inputs. Uh, you know, really think creatively about what you're bringing in. Again, don't let uh, the perfect be the enemy of the good uh, when you're gathering up uh, codes of conduct. You know, if you have a code that you don't really like the way it looks, but you like the content, uh, I think that's important to include in the uh, benchmarking sample. Um, make sure to not just look within your vertical, within your industry, uh, cast a wider net, be aspirational. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, make it a team effort. It really needs to be a team effort. If it's not, then um, not only will you get a product that I don't think is going to be as successful, but you're really avoiding uh, the standards, uh, the expectations that we're seeing from uh, some, some of our regulatory authorities out there and what they expect when you're going through these sorts of processes uh, in building, revising, improving, assessing your overall compliance program. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, just a little bit of information about doing a benchmarking exercise. If you have any questions about that um, or, or, or anything else, uh, please feel free to get in touch with me. Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions for this podcast, same thing. Please feel free to get in touch. Uh, you can go to www.compliancebeat.com and contact us through that website, or you can go to our moreheadconsulting.com website. You can email me directly at eric at moreheadconsulting.com. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to get in touch with us uh, if you have questions about benchmarking or anything else. We're happy to oblige. Uh, once again, uh, just want to mention this uh, upcoming free, free, free webinar with SAI Global. Uh, it's a new partnership we have with them. Uh, this will be our second in a series, hopefully, for a while now, uh, particularly if you guys continue to enjoy them, uh, of free webinars that include uh, uh, credit for uh, for your CCEP certification. Uh, 1.2 CCB CEUs will be available on April 19th, 2018 at 1 p.m. Central. That'd be 2 Eastern. Uh, the title of the program is The Relationship Between Ethics and Compliance in Business. I will be presenting along with Timothy Glenn from Seton Hall University School of Law. He's the associate dean there. Uh, again, Dean Glenn has done a lot of research on uh, business ethics and the intersection with uh, your formal compliance program. So it should be really interesting, and you also get free credit. So please join us. Uh, and until next time, 
Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.